Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to ACB Families Ghost Camp. We're so glad that all of you are with us tonight and have a virtual camp experience. It would be great if we were out in the woods and could be sitting around a fire this evening and having s'mores and hot dogs and all that good stuff. But we can't do that, so we're going to do the next best thing. And that is we're going to be at home. We're going to share lots of virtual camp experiences, and we'd like to thank everyone for being here. I'd like to begin by asking Deanna Scoggins to sing our hello song. Hello, 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 hello. We are glad to meet you. We are glad to greet you. Hello, 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 hello. All right. And we hope all of you feel welcome. We are now going to move into our program. And first up will be a camp story. You know, camping is filled with stories and songs. And uh, we have a skit. And we're going to have some uh, nature, some trivia as we have time. And also, we want you to be thinking of stories that you would like to share. Maybe you have a song to share. Um, And also, we'd like to hear about some of your camp experiences. So this is going to be um, like camp usually is, just a very free-flowing session. Uh, We don't have a set program that we're going to have to do at a certain minute and oh my goodness we're three minutes behind Uh, so um, let's all relax and have a good time so uh, now that we've been welcomed by the hello song our narrator tonight who is going to be sharing camp stories with us is paul edwards and i don't know too many people who are who can do more bring more drama to uh, whether it's uh, an, an exciting or a very dry subject uh, than Paul Edwards. So, um, Paul, we appreciate you being here. Paul is now in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, we just really appreciate you doing this for us, Paul. So, you're first up with a camp story. One of the one of the things that that is always a part of camp for me is is Indian lore. And so the first story that I'm going to read is actually an Indian legend called Aya, the Camp Eater. From the tall grass came the voice of a crying babe. The huntsmen, who were passing nigh, heard it and halted. The tallest one among them hastened toward the high grass with long, cautious strides. He waded through the growth of green with just a head above it all. Suddenly, exclaiming, he dropped out of sight. In another instant, he held up in both his hands a tiny little baby wrapped in soft brown buckskin. Oh, a wood child, cried the men, for they were hunting along the wooded river bottom where this babe was found. While the hunters were questioning whether or no they should carry it home, the wee Indian baby kept up his little howl. His voice is strong, said one. At times it sounds like an old man's voice. 
whispers a superstitious fellow who feared some bad spirit hid in the small child to cheat them by the by. Let us take it to our wise chieftain, at length they said. And the moment they started toward the campground, the strange wood child ceased to cry. Beside the chieftain's teepee waited the hunters while the tall man entered with the child. Oh, oh, nodded the kind-faced chieftain, listening to the queer story. Then, rising, he took the infant in his strong arms. Gently, he laid the black-eyed babe in his daughter's lap. This is to be your little son, said he, smiling. Yes, father, she replied. Pleased with the child, she smoothed the long black hair fringing his round brown face. Tell the people that I give a feast and dance this day for the naming of my daughter's little son, bade the chieftain. In the meanwhile, among the men waiting by the entranceway, one said in a low voice, I have heard that bad spirits come as little children into a camp as they mean to destroy. No, no, let us not be overcautious. It would be cowardly to leave a baby in the wild wood where prowl the hungry wolves, answered an elderly man. The tall man now came out of the chieftain's teepee. With a word, he sent them to their dwellings, half running with joy. A feast, a dance for the naming of the chieftain's grandchild, cried he in a loud voice to the village people. What? What? asked they in great surprise, holding a hand to the ear to catch the words of the crier. There was a momentary silence among the people while they listened to the ringing voice of the man walking in the center ground, then broke forth a rippling, laughing babble among the cone-shaped teepees. All were glad to hear of the chieftain's grandson. They were happy to attend the feast and dance for its naming. With excited fingers, they twisted their hair into glossy braids and painted their cheeks with bright red paint. To and fro hurried the women, handsome in their gala day dress. Men in loose deerskins with long, tinkling metal fringes strode in small numbers toward the center of the round campground. Here, underneath a temporary shade house of green leaves, they were to dance and feast. The children in deerskins and paints, just like their elders, were jolly little men and women. Beside their eager parents, they skipped along toward the green dance house. Here, seated in a large circle, the people were assembled. The proud chieftain rose with a little baby in his arms. The noisy hum of voices was hushed. Not a tinkling of a metal fringe broke the silence. The crier came forward to greet the chieftain then bent attentively over the small babe, listening to the words of the chieftain. When he paused, the crier spoke aloud to the people. This woodland child is adopted by the chieftain's eldest daughter. His name is Jaske. 
he wears the title of the eldest son. In honor of Chaske, the chieftain gives this feast and dance. These are the words of him you see holding a baby in his arms. Yes, yes, hinks, hinks, how, came from the circle. At once the drummers beat softly and slowly their drum, while the chosen singers hum together to find the common pitch. The beat of the drum grew louder and faster. The singers burst forth in a lively tune. Then the drum beat subsided and faintly marked the rhythm of the singing. Here and there bounced up men and women, both young and old. They danced and sang with merry light hearts. Then came the hour of feasting. Late into the night, the air of the campground was alive with the laughing voices of women and the singing in unison of young men. Within her father's teepee sat the chieftain's daughter. Proud of her little one, she watched over him asleep in her lap. Gradually, a deep quiet stole over the campground as one by one the people fell into pleasant dreams. Now, all the village was still. Alone sat the beautiful young mother watching the babe in her lap, asleep with a gaping little mouth. Amid the quiet of the night, Her ear heard the far-off hum of many voices. The faint sound of murmuring people was in the air. Upward, she glanced at the smoke hole of the wigwam and saw a bright star peeping down upon her. Spirits in the air above? She wondered, yet there was no sign to tell her of their nearness. The fine, small sound of voices grew larger and nearer. Father, rise. I hear the coming of some tribe, hostile or friendly, I cannot tell. Rise and see, whispered the young woman. Yes, my daughter, answered the chieftain, springing to his feet. Though asleep, his ear was ever alert. Thus, rushing out into the open, he listened for strange towns with... An eagle eye, he scanned the campground for some sign. Returning, he said, My daughter, I I hear nothing and and see no sign of evil. Nigh. Oh, the sound of many voices comes up from the earth about me, exclaimed the young mother. Bending low over her babe, she gave ear to the ground. Horrified was she to find the mysterious sound came out of the open mouth of her sleeping child. Why so unlike other babes, she cried within her heart as she slipped him gently from her lap to the ground. Mother, listen and tell me if this child is an evil spirit come to destroy our camp, she whispered aloud. Placing an ear close to the open baby mouth, the chieftain and his wife each in turn heard the voices of a great camp. The singing of men and women, the beating of the drum, the rattling of deer hoofs strung like bells on a string. These were the sounds they heard. We must go away, said the chieftain, leading him into the night. Out in the open, he whispered to the frightened young woman, Aya, the camp eater, has come in the guise of a babe. Had you gone to sleep? 
he would have jumped out into his own shape and would have devoured our camp. He is a giant with spindling legs. He cannot fight, for he cannot run. He is powerful only in the night with his tricks. We are safe as soon as day breaks. Then, moving closer to the woman, he whispered, If he wakes now, he will swallow the whole tribe with one hideous gulp. Come, we must flee with our people. Thus, creeping from teepee to teepee, a secret alarm signal was given. At midnight, the teepees were gone, and there was left no sign of the village, save heaps of dead ashes. So quietly had the people folded their wigwams and bundled their tent poles that they slipped away unheard by the sleeping Ayabib. When the morning sun arose, the babe awoke. Seeing himself deserted, he threw off his baby form in a hot rage, wearing his own ugly shape. His huge body toppled to and fro from side to side on a pair of thin legs far too small for their burden. Though with every move he came dangerously nigh to falling, he followed in the trail of the fleeing people. I shall beat you in the sight of a noonday sun, cried Aya in his vain rage when he spied them encamped beyond the river. By some unknown cunning, he swam the river and sought his way toward the teepees. <laughs> He grunted and growled. <laughs> With perspiration beating his brow, he strove to wiggle his slender legs beneath his giant form. <laughs> but all the village people were laughing to see Aya, made foolish with anger. <laughs> Such spindle legs cannot stand fight by daylight shouted the brave ones who were terror-struck the night before by the name Aya. Warriors with long knives rushed forth and slew the camp-eater. Lo, there rose out of the giant a whole Indian tribe, their campground, their teepees in a large circle, and the people laughing and dancing. We are glad to be free, said these strange people. Thus, Aya was killed, and no more are the campgrounds in danger of being swallowed up in a single night time. And that's the end of the story. Wow. Thank you, Paul. That was great. Uh, I had read the story, and yet I was worried they weren't going to get away from the from the evil spirits. So thank you. It was, that was fantastic. We hope we'll have another story from you here in a little bit. And uh, the skit will be coming next after uh, Deanna um, shares. Deanna, do you have an appropriate uh, song, camp song, to go with Paul's story? Yes, I do right now. Land of the silver birch, home of the beaver, where still the mighty moose wanders at will. Blue lake and rocky shore, I will return once more 
Boom diddy ara boom da yay. Boom diddy ara yay. High on a rocky ledge, I'll build my wigwam. Close to the waters, silent and still. Blue lake and rocky shore, I will return once more. Boom diddy ara boom da yay. Boom diddy ara yay. My heart grows sick for thee here in the lowlands. I will return to the hills of the north, blue lake and rocky shore. I will return no more. Boom diddy ara boom da yay. Boom diddy ara boom. Land of the silver, home of the beaver. Right. Thank you. Very good. Okay. Next, we have a skit and or, or a, a short play. And um, I'm going to turn over the introduction of this portion of the program to Terry Turtle, who is the um, the person leading this play. And uh, we have some special guests with us who are going to be participating. So, Terry, the time is yours. Introduce the play. Tell everyone how this happened. And, um, and we're going to enjoy uh, this segment, written, actually, by a student at the Kentucky School for the Blind. So go ahead, Terry. Thank you, Carla. I am so happy to be here. Yes, we are there. An Actors Theater grant uh, has, has been found for the last few years to work with Kentucky School for the Blind high school students on writing short plays. And this year, uh, we are proud to, to present to you one of these plays. Readers Touch Productions, sponsored by Tri-State Library users, is proud to present The Forest, a short play in one act by Mahogany Taylor, a high school student at the Kentucky School for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. Characters. The water wants to be clear, played by Mary Hopp. The sun wants to melt the water, played by Kathy Signet. The cloud wants to snow, played by B.T. Kimbrough. The narrator, played by Terry Turlock. Setting, the forest. Trees are standing up and the sun is floating in the sky and the cloud, well, the cloud is in front of the sun and the water is frozen. I want to be queer, not blue because I'm frozen. I want to shine bright. I want to snow everywhere. Water, I think that I could help both of us. Oh, I want to be clear, not blue. Can you help with that? Possibly. The sun shines on the water. The water melts slightly. Then the cloud rolls in. Well, now, I think I could be part of this as well. The cloud snows and the water freezes and turns blue. 
Son, you said you could help me. No, I said I could possibly help you, Water. I don't help anyone but myself. Cloud, you have other people you can bother. Water, don't be mean to Cloud. I will try to be nice to Cloud. Thank you. The next day. Do you know where Cloud is? I have not seen Cloud anywhere. I really like Cloud. But you met Cloud yesterday. Why are you being so mean to Cloud all the time? Because. Cloud comes back. Because you don't like me and it's fine. I can't be here when you two are arguing. Wait. Sun leaves. Everything freezes, including the water, as the night falls into place. Do you think the sun will come back, Cloud? I don't know. The next day, Cloud cries more and more, which results in a rain and snowstorm. Stop snowing and raining, Cloud! I can't. Sun's not here, so I'm sad. I want Sun to be here because you are ruining what I wanted and Sun wanted, so leave. Fine. If that's what you want, that's what you get. The next day. Where is Sun and Cloud today? Oh, I remember now. I told Cloud to leave and Sun didn't like us arguing, so it's all my fault because I wanted to be clear, but they wanted something different. Well, I have a question, Water. Yeah? How did you come? Well, I don't know. All I know is there's parts of me falling from the sky, so maybe you and I become this river together. Now you know that we are all connected, so we work together with Sun, too. Now I know that it's okay to be clear or blue. So now you know why you shouldn't argue. Now we do. But do we really know what we want? I don't know. Well, I think I shine, clouds, snows, and rains, and water, you, you come from cloud. So there, for we are all connected somehow. Yeah, I get it. We work together. To make the forest work properly. Basically, we are like the natural elements. So what do you two want? I want to change the way I'm supposed to be throughout the seasons. I want to change throughout the seasons, not just blue or clear. They work together and learn over time that they all can be what they wanted because of the seasonal changes. The end. Um, Before we move on, does anyone have any questions or thoughts about the play? Um, Not that you need to, but if you have any questions, any of us would be glad to try to answer them. So, Francine? I have to say, Cloud, I thought you were fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much. We love Cloud. And I love the Indian story that Paul read. I thought that was awesome, too. Thank you. It was wonderfully read. It was brilliant. Yeah. Okay, next we have Natalie Couch. So um, I just want to say as president of Tri-State Library users, you all did awesome. Um, And 
Paul, you also did a great job on your story. So I'm really enjoying this so far. <laughs> Thank you. So, Deanna, do you have yes. a quick song? And then what? we're going to pop, pop, be ready with another story. But I'm going to do a few okay. little... Um, you are, I've, first. I've got a nice <laughs> short one. So, um, I know everybody knows this song, but we're going to... This land is your land. This land is my land. Deanna. I appreciate that. Let's have another quick story from Paul. And then uh, I'm going to, I think I'll ask for um, people if if you would like. So I think then we'll ask for some people, maybe if some people want to share their memories of camp, and then we're going to have a couple of little interesting nature facts. So um, Paul, you're up. So Sometimes camp stories are scary, and sometimes camp stories are funny, and sometimes, if we're lucky, they're both. So, on a dark night like this, a young man was walking home, and it was a dark, deserted street he was walking along. As he passed the gates of a small cemetery, he felt as if he was being followed. Suddenly, he heard a bump behind him. Afraid to look back, he increased his pace. Bump, bump, bump. The bumping behind him continued, getting closer and louder. Finally, unable to ignore the bump any longer, he turned around. Terror-stricken, he saw a coffin standing on end, bumping down the road from side to side. Bump, 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 bump. He started running for his life, but the coffin only kept on coming, increasing its pace to match his bump, bump, bump. As the man became tired from running, the coffin began to get closer. The man grabbed a large metal trash can as he ran by and threw it at the coffin. Unfazed, the coffin kept coming, getting closer and closer. Bump, bump, bump. He finally arrived home. As he ran into his yard, he noticed the axe resting against the side of the house next to the wood pile. He, he grabbed it up and hurled it at the coffin, but it simply bounced off. <laughs> the coffin followed the man up onto the porch and crashed down the front door the man had closed and locked. 
behind him. Bump, bump, bump. He ran upstairs and grabbed his shotgun from where it hung on the wall, firing at the coffin as it came through the doorway. Still, the now partially shattered coffin continued towards him. Bump, bump, bump. In desperation, the man ran to the bathroom, closed the door, and backed as far as he could. He knew the coffin would simply break down the door. However, the man did not intend to give up. Grabbing a bottle of cough syrup, he hurled it at the coffin. The bottle shattered, covering the coffin with cough syrup. And the coffin stopped. (laughs) All right. You make that up. (laughs) I could see it happening. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to ask if anyone um, has, let's share a couple of camp uh, experiences. Does anybody have a camp experience they'd like to share? I wanted to um, tell you all that I really enjoyed con- I really enjoyed going canoeing when I when I was at the when I was at the um, at the at the camp that I used to go to and it was a lot of fun and um, I'm hoping to be able to go canoeing at the um, at the Georgia Council of the Blind event coming up in November so um, that's my little. My little camp story. Thank you. Hi there. So it's a dark night sitting on the edge of Green Mountain Reservoir in Colorado. It was almost dawn, but it was still quite dark out. A campfire was roaring on the side of the lake. And my mother and I and my sister-in-law and my baby sister were sitting there with fishing poles. What's this? Mom caught a fish. Wait, Penny got one too? Oh no, and Charlotte has one. Hey, I've got one too. And in comes my hero, Dennis, who also wanted to fish. But he was so busy taking all of our fish off the hooks and rebaiting them and getting them ready for us to cast that he never got to catch a single fish during that crazy, insane time that we were fishing. I want you to think about a campfire. If you could see a campfire, what would you see? When I was little, I had just enough sight to see the flames. And I used to think about things dancing in those flames. These are some of the precious memories I have of camping with my family. Camp doesn't necessarily have to be a place that you go, although I did go to a camp once. It can just be wonderful memories spent with those that you love. Thank you. Next, we have Francine. Well, I went to Beacon Lodge when I was in high school, and um, we had this lake that we used to go rowing, you know, boat rowing and stuff. And so there were several several boats and several people in each boat, and we were out in the middle of the lake, and we were rocking the boats back and forth, and the water was getting in the boat, and more water was coming in, and the boat sunk, and everybody in that boat obviously got wet. So when, when we got out of the water, we got the boat on, out of the water, and we went back to camp. The camp director wanted to know why we were all wet. And, of course, we told her, well, the boat sunk. And, well, only one of you should have gotten wet. We're like, well, how could only one of us get wet when there were four of us in the boat? And the boat sunk. 
You know, she just didn't understand why we were all wet. That was, you know, one of the funniest things. And we're all just looking at each other going like, seriously? <laughs> like, that was one of my camp memories. All right. Okay. Next we have Jean Mann. I went to camp every summer from the time I was nine till I was 16. Um, my favorite camp was Lapanaki up in Vermont. Um, Diane went there once, so she would remember it. But I think of all my favorite things, the two that were the most memorable was the times I climbed Mount Mansfield, which was the highest mountain in Vermont. And um, we would climb it, and then we'd eat lunch up at the top, and then we took the gondola back down, and then we camped out in lean-tos overnight. And we would cook a nice big steak dinner with fried potatoes. Oh, it was so good. And I'm sure we had s'mores later. And we'd sit around, and one of the counselors had a guitar, and we'd sing and tell ghost stories. And then the other thing that I loved was the time I did what we called the Canadian hike. And it was a 50-mile trip from the camp to the Canadian border. And it took us a couple days. We carried our backpacks on our backs. It was hot. I remember that. And just before we got to the to the border, I said to the girl I was walking with, let's run the rest of the way because we could. I wouldn't be able to do it now, but those those are my favorite things. And, Paul, I have to tell you, I've heard that story before, but I forgot how it ended. So it was uh, it was a bad story, but it was funny. Hey, next we have Connie hey. Bateman. All right. So as a teenager, I went to Enchanted Hills Camp for the Blind, which is outside of Napa, California. And I learned how to swim at camp because when I was in the third grade, I tried to take swimming lessons with my sisters and they didn't allow me to do that. This was before, you know before legislation. So anyway, so we, we did some swimming and horseback riding arts and crafts, but my favorite was singing in the camp choir during enrichment period and also singing songs around the campfire. And years later, I became a counselor and I sang and played my guitar and I taught the kids how to sing the song, The House at Pooh Corner, you know, that Kenny Loggins song. Mm-hmm. And... So they learned how to sing the song, and they sang it for the camp talent show. So, um, and then one of the highlights of camp was hiking into Napa. All I remember is that it was long and very hot. But we we got there, and we went to a pizza place. That was our reward. And then someone drove us back to camp. So those are my camp memories. Great, thank you. Uh, Adam, you have a camp memory? Uh, when I was uh, young, I attended a camp in Carrollton, Kentucky, which is across the Ohio River from Madison, Indiana, or about halfway between Louisville and Cincinnati, up uh, uh, US 42. There was no interstate at the time. And um, we, uh, it, was a, it was a camp by the Kentucky Easter Seal Society, and they had sessions with uh, mixed handicapped uh, campers, including blind uh, and orthopedic, uh, and so on. And every morning uh, during the camp, we would have a flag-raising ceremony. Well, my brother, um, who was a volunteer uh, counselor uh, that year, uh, and the son of the maintenance uh, man at the camp who lived on the camp property, uh, both of them were about 13 years old, and uh, of 
course, the camp had a laundry facility where they could uh, wash clothes for both campers and staff. And we uh, had this uh, one volunteer uh, counselor named Margaret. And um, my brother and uh, the son of the maintenance guy went out that night, visited the laundry area. And so the flagpole was outside and all the campers and counselors would go out and form a circle around the flagpole and they would have official flag raising ceremony. However, this morning they uh, had a slight delay because my brother and the other fellow had raised to the top of the flagpole a girdle of Margaret's from the laundry area. And so they had to lower the girdle in order to raise the flag. I thought you were going to tell a different story. Oh, well, I could tell that one, too. <laughs> Adam's <laughs> brother is notorious for doing, um, for po- want, was notorious for pulling pranks on people. Can we tell that one, too? Or do we have sure. that? All right. The one about the canoe. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. At the camp, um, the, the US-42 uh, ran up, and the Kentucky River flows into the Ohio at that point in Carrollton. And the state uh, had built a state park, Butler State Park, on the east side of 42, basically. And uh, the uh, Camp Kassock had 600 acres on the other side of US 42. And they had built a recreational lake, um, which was on either side of 42, with uh, a way under the highway in a little tunnel and if the lake was low enough uh, you could take a canoe from one side the Kassock to the State Park Butler side well uh, you know campers were supposed to be in bed by 9 and counselors supposed to be in bed by 12 and nobody was supposed to use canoes after sunset well it happened that this one counselor who um you know, was about 20 years old and uh, head of the little boys unit. Um, he and a female counselor um, decided to go to Butler State Park under the highway in the lake in a canoe and park it outside the lodge in the lake and then, you know, have some fun in the uh, lodge there at the at Butler State Park and then come back. Well, my brother and the same maintenance guys, and again, they're about 13 years old, followed them down to the lake, saw them take the canoe, and so they, too, got a canoe, followed them over to Butler, and when the two counselors left the canoe and went up to the lodge, uh, my brother and this other fellow uh, brought both canoes back to the Kassock side, leaving them stranded, and that, you know, it was several miles, you know, three or four miles, and not only that, but they took the the canoe that the counselors had used and uh, took it in to where the female counselor's uh, cabin was. And the cabin had a screen door and it the, um, had four beds, two on the left and two on the right, with a middle area down the middle. They took the canoe, opened the screen door, shoved the canoe in down that middle area, and went to bed. Well, the next morning... Um, we had a song called My Paddles Keen and Bright, and we had a, a 
eight-year-old blind uh, count, a girl up there as a camper, and somebody went over to her and said, why don't you ask Alan to sing My Paddle's Keen and Bright, you know, lead, lead us in singing after breakfast. And she did, and he, he, actually, he actually led the song. But uh, all the counselors knew what happened. <laughs> Pam Coffey is first. Three summers back in the mid-60s, I attended a camp in Georgia. Now, this was not the name of the camp site. This was what we called the camp. Camp was called Camp Wiki Wacky. And it was the first summer was one week because it was a brand new program. It was a little bit of a pilot program, I guess. And then the next two summers, we were at a different campsite. But the one I'm going to share is the first summer. Uh, this, even though we slept in tents and, well, let's see, to relieve ourselves, we used those lovely things called latrines. We did not have a indoor plumbing. <clears throat> and the showers had no hot water. It was freezing cold. Uh, but the, what I'm going to share is, even though parts of the camp were very primitive, um, the kitchen committee, the cooking committee, was supposed to be able to use a stove at the facility. And I don't know whether it was electric or gas, but it was a stove. There was just one small problem. No one could get the stove to work. So they had to get real creative really fast and cook everything outside on a grill. And they did it. They even did pancakes on a grill. Now, I can't do pancakes worth a ding-dong on a stove, let alone on a grill. Uh, but they, they managed to do it. But the first day of camp, our dinner was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> I bet. So that's the memory I'm going to share of camp. I could sh there are a lot of them I could share over those three summers. Um, okay. Thank you. I bet you did have good food, though, coming off that grill. Yeah. Okay. Right. Who's next, Diane? Next is Leslie Z. Okay, I went to several camps and um, in in California, and the thing was that um, I went. I started when I was like seven and went uh, for several years, probably about ten years, eleven years, and um, the. The, the main thing I remember was we had um, we had a lot of different you know outdoor activities and hiking and all that, but we also had a lot of evening activities and um, uh, like you know um, dances and pizza parties and all that kind of stuff, which was I thought was kind of interesting for camp and um, and. Uh, and then um part of the time when i when i got into high school years i worked and i was there for like 6 weeks instead of just a couple of weeks and um so i did that for like 3 years and worked outside of the camp but they drove us to the to a workplace it was called the summer work experience 
but we just got to stay at the camp and and um so I was new when things was hap- were happening because uh, I worked at at a processing pl- well it was a mushroom farm and so they always called me to pick up all the stuff for the pizzas when it was time for pizza parties so they usually tried to surprise people but I was new when it was going to happen so it was great and then thing that was strange to me was we had the camp was in Malibu and they took us to concerts in the evenings at the LA Forum and they took us to uh, amusement parks like like Six Flags and stuff like that during some of the days and it was really strange um, to me that we were going to camp and then we'd end up going to an amusement park and I was <laughs> very strange <laughs> but um, you know it it was an interesting experience to have horseback riding and and hiking and and boating and that kind of thing and all of a sudden then you're going to an amusement park the next day and um, those were like supposed to be surprise things and it was just kind of an odd mix and uh, and then I did other things with family and stuff of camping and setting up tents and and uh, things like that and going around uh, Door County, Wisconsin on tandem bikes with a group and setting up our tent every night and taking it down in the morning and heading out on the bikes again with carrying our bags, our backpacks and all that. And it's so much fun camping. That was yep. too much fun, Leslie. And right. Viola Benson. Hi, Carla and everybody. Um, Hi. I had several camp experiences, some as a teenager going to a Seventh-day Adventist camp and realizing it was vegetarian, and I started dreaming about hamburgers halfway through the week. But that's that's not, I wanted to talk about the one we went to when I was at the Washington State School for the Blind. They take all the older kids, seventh grade on up, every year to a camp in Oregon called Camp Magruder, and we would stay there for a whole week and we would um they'd have us do things like learning to um climb ropes and we'd win prizes for volleyball games and and tug of wars and the one who dig dug the deepest hole in the sand got water first just different things like that and it was a lot of fun and all the teachers that we had during the year would come and be our counselor so we didn't have counselors all the teachers and and gym instructors and everybody would come and it was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun though all those years and i went to see camp magruder as an adult and it still was the same we walked down to the beach and and it was it hadn't changed a bit i was really happy to see that sounds wonderful we have jennifer bowling hi um I used to work at a camp called Camp Tuckmahuda, um, that was in Greenville, Michigan. And my favorite part about working and being a camper was doing rock climbing. We got to climb the rock walls and stuff like that. And that was my most memorable part. And I wanted to say that my favorite part about tonight was listening to the skip. I was like, laughing. It was hilarious. It was great. Thank you. 
Paul, do you have another short story we could get? And then, Deanna, we're going to want you to close. Um, I, <clears throat> I do have one other short story. And it's called Be Careful What You Wish For. A young girl was late for school one morning, so she took a shortcut through a neighborhood her mom told her was dangerous. Promise me you'll never walk to school that way, her mother had said, because it's full of temptation. Her mother went on to tell her that she had been tempted but resisted. She was afraid her daughter was too young to do so. The young girl was almost to school and could not understand why her mother had issued such a warning. She'd seen nothing tempting, <clears throat> no candy, no toys, or other goodies. Just then, she saw right in front of her a large copper pot. She scooped it up and rubbed it on the leg of her pants to clean it off, as she thought it might be good to share for show and tell. Out popped a, you guessed it, a genie. She knew it was a genie from movies and television shows. I will grant you three witches, said the genie. The girl was very smart for her age and thought for a minute before responding, Okay, um, for the first wish, um, I want unlimited wishes that will come true. A clever girl, said the genie. And for wish number two? Um, I want millions of dollars. Very good choice. And wish number three? Um, I, I want to be the best grade and be the most po popular girl in school. Just as she finished, she could hear the school bell ringing. Oh, no. Look what you've done. I'm going to be late for school and get a detention. I wish I was dead. With a chuckle, the genie granted her wish. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh, me. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that everyone has enjoyed our camp. And thanks to everyone for sharing. Thanks to BT and Mary Hopped and Terry Turlock and Kathy Signier for um, presenting our the skit, The Forest. And thanks to Diane for hosting and to Jeff Bishop for streaming and to Paul Edwards for, uh, for sharing stories with us and to Deanna for the music. And Deanna, you're going to close camp in an appropriate way. All right, it's a little hard to follow uh, what Paul just did, but here we go. Yeah. Here it is, and uh, I don't know if you remember the Girl Scout camp stuff, but um, well, almost every Girl Scout meeting we had the circle where our, you know, where you folded your, where you put your right arm over your left arm and held the next person's hand, and that was supposed to make the circle strong. Anyway, here it is. Day is done, gone the sun. From the lakes, from the hills, from the sky, all is well, safely rest. God is nigh. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. <laughs>